part of, of the world that they're in. We're going to learn a little bit more about if you're unfamiliar with it. Uh, but Zambia, Africa. And so, Brother Dan, would you come at this time, maybe introduce your family for us a little bit, tell us how things have been going, and, and then uh, bring us the word. Awesome. Thank you, Brother. All right, it is a pleasure to be back here. It's been a couple of years. I think we said 2018. Introduce my wife, Janice, and Savannah. I think the first time we came here, Savannah was about yay high, and her job since she's so cute and little and friendly, she would stand there and hand out the prayer cards. <laughs> now that we're back on furlough, she's like, do I still hand out the prayer cards now? <laughs> so uh, we've been blessed to be in, in Zambia uh, almost 10 years now. Um, what we'll do is we're going to watch a video. That's a cue for you guys. A uh, few-minute video, give you a little update, and then I'll give you a little more of a verbal update. And if we have some questions, we'll have time for questions. And then we'll open the word and uh, see what the Lord has for us tonight. So guys, are you ready? African missionary Dr. Robert Moffat said, I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been. But with God, all things are possible. Despite many obstacles and very difficult terrain, we have been part in starting over 10 churches in the remote bush of eastern Zambia through evangelism and systematic teaching of God's word hundreds have been saved and scripturally baptized lives have been transformed hope has been renewed and many now have found freedom that is only in Jesus Christ Strong and eternal relationships have been made while co-laboring for Christ. And the joy it brings is like nothing else in this world. Strangers become friends. And these friends become our family. We rejoice in all that God has done. And yet, there are still so many more to be reached. Over 50% of Zambia's population is under 15 years old. Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. So we need to tell them of Jesus. 
Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is life. Thank you for sending us to tell them that message. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. We count it our highest honor and privilege to serve our Lord and Savior in Zambia, Africa. Oh, praise the Lord. It's, uh, it's humbling every time we, we see that. Uh, it gets us excited, and yet we realize we've been able to be a part of that. And it just amazes me. God, why, why would you allow us to be a part of that? It's just such a beautiful work God is doing. And uh, we're just average people that just chose to obey what God was calling us to do that day, and then the next day, and the next day, and God puts you on a path where uh, there's just no turning back, so we're just so grateful for that. Um, Any questions with the video, or things you've seen in the video? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Fresh, that that well there, we put in that well. Um, Fresh water is a very difficult thing to come by in Zambia. Um, We have put in, I don't know, six, eight, ten wells in villages. Um, And that's one of the things we we strive to do. The price of wells are are going up there. Um, But as we get back, we we hope we'll have enough to do another couple more wells in some of these villages. Uh, I tell you what, it's a hard thing when... uh, when people ask for your help, and that's all they do is ask things of you, and it gets, it gets you wrung out because we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the supplies. But when they ask, could you help us get fresh water? And I just say, we'll do what we can, but you guys got to pray. You got to beg God because he's got to do something. He's got to supply this, and that really helps them get invested in that. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we do not have a Christian school there. Um, right now, we're just trying to uh, evangelize and teach the Bible, but we have children's ministries that um, go out. We do have some part of ministries. Um, my wife works with another woman that helps, that her main ministry is teaching to read English, and they use the Bible, imagine that, the English Bible, to help read English. And many of these women have come from a Muslim background. So they have been coming to Christ. So we've been, that's not our ministry, but we've been able to help with that. 
and um, help teach the couples classes as they come together. And we open the scripture and teach them God's plan of a man and a woman in marriage and, and the beauty of it. Um, they're, they're really quite amazed because the Islamic faith teaches nothing like that. So that's been a real eye-opener. Yes, sir? Pets? Um, no, they really don't. Um, there's, people are now just starting to have dogs, but they don't treat their dogs like we treat our dogs. We have two outside dogs, which are large. Well, you saw one of them there, um, about the size of a small lion. Um, and he's, he's a night guard dog. And we have a wall fence, about an eight-foot um, block wall fence around our property, um, just for safety, and he's on the inside, and when he barks or growls, man, you hear it. I mean, you can almost feel it. So it, when our gate opens, people, everyone's running back, and if they see that gate open, they're running around because they're in such fear of the dogs. The dogs are just wonderful little <laughs> dogs or big dogs. They wouldn't kill, but they give the fear, and that's the best defense is that you don't even get approached. So our home, we live in uh, the city of Chapada. The whole general area has about 250,000 people. Most of our ministry, while we have some ministries in town, most of our ministry is out in the bush, which is about an hour drive out. And Bill, like you were saying, um, we've got about 30 minutes on a tarmac road and then 30 minutes on a gravel road. And the gravel road and the end of the tarmac road had gotten so bad, we chose another road, which was a shortcut, that would take us down through riverbeds, three or four riverbeds. I would choose that than the regular road. It was actually easier. Um, but once the rains start, uh, in three, four months of rain, that, that route is, uh, is closed off. So the traveling <coughs> is challenging, to say the least. Um, by the time you get out there with an hour drive, you do feel pretty beat up. And uh, then you've got a full day of ministry and we try to make it our target that we arrive back in town before it gets dark. Travel is very difficult once it gets dark. A lot of people don't have lights on their vehicle. They're not licensed. You've got people walking. Then you've got bicycles at a different speed. Then you've got motorcycles, which are absolutely lawless, and they're taking over. Um, then you've got vehicles. Then you've got trucks with no lights, and many drivers are not licensed. It makes a very difficult situation. Um, <clears throat> Janice ran into a very difficult situation in February. Every term, I believe that we go back, the missionaries, there's something very traumatic that happens. Uh, this time, during a traditional um, tribal ceremony where the Paramount Chief comes through town where there's thousands of people lining the streets, we were just helping a Muslim um, woman and her, her little child, bringing them to a clinic for some medical attention. Janice was bringing them back home. The parade started, so she pulled off the road. The parade went by. She started to proceed and going slow. And <clears throat> there was a small boy uh, on, on the side of the road. So she slowed down, and he was looking away. But as she passed him, somehow he came in contact with the side ladder of the truck. And he hit it so hard, he bent my steel ladder. Uh, I look at it and said, if I hit that ladder, I would probably be dead. His little body spun around. The crowd went crazy, grabbing the truck. 
God's spirit is life. But these things happen. And every time we've told this to someone else in Zambia, they all said the same thing. So was he pushed? I said, why, why would he be pushed? And they just said, oh, okay. But I found four or five people saying the exact same thing. Because when they see any traffic, and especially uh, a Mzungu, a white person, um, they try to create confusion. And they don't care who it is, that they would sacrifice someone, that they would push somebody in front of the vehicle to try to create an incident where they can get into the vehicle, take whatever they want. And uh, so... Praise the Lord. He survived, <clears throat> and ironically, the little girl who was getting better a week or two later died suddenly, and we don't understand what happened. Many believe that um, because the Christians had come in to help the family, that it brought shame to the Muslims, and they weren't going to stand for that, and many suggest that she was poisoned, so it didn't look like we were able to help her. So this is the kind of um, evil that, that goes on um, we can't imagine that people would do these kind of things, um, but we don't, fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual war. They call it uh, the dark continent for a reason. There's, there's just a, a broken thinking um, in that. Um, the last image there of the little kids walking with the water, that was our first uh, church plant, um, which is called Big Tree, and... Um, it's interesting. It's this little remote bush church. I traveled um, 25, 30 miles away. We we're doing evangelism. And uh, somebody comes up and says, you know, who are you guys? And we explain. And the guy goes, oh, from Big Tree? How do you know of that? I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere, but the word gets around. And people know that something different is going on. They're teaching the scripture. Um, so we have Pastor Andrew Jerry there. Um, from that and our discipleship and leadership lessons, churches have just organically been planted along the way. And honestly, it, it hasn't been from us doing it. It has been from these people taking the lessons, going back to their home, and it just continues to spread. So there's three more churches there. Um, the road ends, and we are asked to go to another farm village cross down a, a, a dried riverbed valley up the other side, drive for another 10, 20 minutes and get out there and think, man, there's just got to be no one out here. And all of a sudden you got 40, 50 people coming out of nowhere to sit and listen. And uh, we are blessed to uh, have a church plant there. Um, that was the last uh, stick structure that you saw me preaching in. That is called Impeta. And I bring that one to your attention today. It's one of the newest church plants. Um, and the pastor there, his name is Joseph Tembo. Um, I had the opportunity to um, marry he and his fiance, his wife now. That was the first Christian marriage. And they said, we want to do a Christian marriage. They want to show their family and villages how Christ has made them different. So we did some counseling. We were able to do uh, a, the first Christian marriage with them. And um, this was a year or two ago now, and they have a little baby. And I went to see them a couple months ago. And I, I, you only get half of the story when you're there. People just don't want to tell you too much. 
And then finally, when I get back, and I'm like, okay, what were you talking about? The baby, the grandparents had the baby. Well, as soon as the baby was born, the grandparents, the grandmother, and her cronies were there for the delivery to help the mom. They take the baby away from the mom for two weeks into the grandmother's house. And I thought, well, are they just helping to nurse and, you know, all of this? And it, the story finally comes out that they were bringing the baby to put charms on it so it would grow up to be a witch doctor. Because that's, that's in the family. And they said that this child is destined for that. So when I asked, you know, why? And this is the pastor's, pastor's baby. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have the authority or power to be able to, you know, take that back yet. But they're fighting against that. So I ask you to pray for, for uh, Pastor Tembo, uh, his wife and his child, that uh, they would truly have power uh, there to fight against these things. Um, so there are, like I said, about 10 churches. Um, it's very difficult right now to try to keep up with training proper leaders to take over. Uh, we're doing our best. Um, it, that's, that's a good problem to have, I guess. Um, and they say from that last church plant, um, there are a couple other places we want to evangelize. And they said, when are you coming out there? I said, well, you know, we kind of evangelized. And, and they said, yeah, but they're meeting every Sunday now. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, I can't go all the way out there every Sunday. That's, that's a long ways out. Um, but some of the leaders from the other church are going out there. So we're grateful God is continuing to grow the ministry. Um, I mentioned the broken thinking. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. The way they think, just it, it, there's no logic to it. To them, it absolutely is clear. But to us, we go, that doesn't make sense. For instance, <clears throat> if you're camping and you've got mosquitoes at night, you keep the light off because it attracts mosquitoes. We'd, we'd all agree with that? Okay. Well, there is a pastor who his child kept getting malaria, and they would say, you need to, you've got one light in the home. Turn off the light at night. Every time they would drive by, the light is on. So he would say, turn off the light, and it won't track mosquitoes. And finally, the, the other guy says, you don't understand. There are no mosquitoes during the day when it's light out. So if we keep a light out, it drives the mosquitoes away. So that's their thinking. And to them... It absolutely makes sense. Um, so we're dealing with these kind of things. I mentioned witchcraft. It is a very, very powerful stronghold there. Um, many people live in fear of it. And when we can bring the truth of the gospel and give them freedom, it still takes a lot of discipleship to get them to the point where they are willing to stand on their own. They have seen um, many very unusual things with witchcraft. Um, North of us, many hours, is Kenya. It's several countries away, but Nairobi has a very, it's a stronghold of Satan. And the pastors there, the, the prosperity gospel is very strong, and it gets televised. And what they see on their little television is this very wealthy pastor driving in an armored Mercedes with an entourage of bodyguards and military escorting them to the cathedral, and they think that this is what Christianity is all about. And, you know, 
uh, all this, this other craziness. So we, we fight against these things and, and teaching them what true biblical Christianity is about. And it's, it, we're always seeing someone sitting around a radio listening to these uh, great prophets, so-called. Well, now when I come to a village and I see them listening, I can see that a lot of the guys now able to mock those great prophets because they, they know the scripture now. So to see them grow and now to understand and start spreading the truth is, is uh, very encouraging. Um, witchcraft. <clears throat> we like to think that we like to think that it's not real because we don't see it here. And we hear it and we know the power of Christ. Um, but there is a power of Satan that to those who are not in the family of Christ, that are not under the blood of Christ, they are absolutely taking over the power of the darkness. And we see many wanting to be rich, to get out of the poverty cycle. And they will sometimes go to a great witch doctor who has all the answers. Okay, if they had all the answers, why would this guy still be living in a mud hut? Because if he had all the answers, I think he'd be benefited a little bit himself. But they don't see it that way. <clears throat> You've got to pay something to go. So these people who can barely feed their family will pay to see a witch doctor. Then they have to go and somehow get some of these other unusual things, sometimes buying, stealing, whatever. And if they really want wealth, they have to offer the name of someone close to them. They have to offer a living sacrifice. One man who had a small business in town um, wanted to be a wealthy businessman. So he went to a witch doctor, and they said, who are you going to offer? And he said, I don't have anyone. I just have a brother. And he says, then it's your brother we're going we're gonna to take. and we're gonna, uh, I want his name. And he gave him the name. The witch doctor did whatever he does there. And he says, okay, go back. To Zambia, you're going to be wealthy. He goes back, he's running his business, and nothing really seems to change, but except all of a sudden his brother seems to lose his mind and now can't run his own business and walks the streets with no shirt on collecting plastic bags. That is his life now. A, a grown man that used to run a business now is absolutely under the rule of witchcraft and Satan, and his life is destroyed. And to try to reach him and talk to him, it's like there's nothing there. So these things happen regularly. And there's no coincidence that, that our, our scripture says that we're to offer ourselves a living sacrifice. That's a reasonable service. And certainly uh, Satan has living sacrifices everywhere, and we see them sometimes even ruling in government. Um, we need to fight back um, because this is a real battle, and it is getting more intense, as you guys can see, over these last couple years. There's truth. And there's confusion. There's light and there's darkness. They can't coexist. And they're always going to be at odds with each other. And we are fighting the darkness there. We're fighting the witchcraft. We're fighting drunkenness. We're fighting uh, polygamy. We're, we're fighting cultural uh, traditions that seem to want to trump every truth. And it is only the truth of the word of God that finally gets us into that. And we look around at these things and we go... We are not qualified for this. We're not trained for this. 
we've got no background in, in this, kind of, uh, this kind of battle. I mean, this is, this is ministry. This, this is what ministering is about, giving our lives to do whatever Christ has called us to do, even though we are not equipped. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, if you would. We are not equipped. We are ill-equipped. We're undersupplied. We're far outnumbered. We're overwhelmed. And yet God continues to advance his kingdom, taking new ground, setting up new camps, new churches, training new recruits, sending them out to do his work. And now we're just like some captains in the army that just continue to train men and try to send them out so they can reach further because they know more of the traditions and these powers of witchcraft than we do because we only get to hear a little bit of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 14 and 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Reminds me of the song, God can do anything but fail. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? We certainly are not sufficient. We feel so overwhelmed, but God continues to do the work. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God. In the sight of God speak we in Christ. Look in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of as ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. You know, the greatest ability that we have, I'm not a great preacher, I'm not a great teacher or, or Bible scholar, I'm not a great evangelist, but my greatest ability that I had is availability. That's all God is looking for. He's not looking for the greatest out there. He's looking for the least out there that is willing to be used by God. The greatest ability we have is life. The very breath that we have, that makes us qualified to be in the ministry. Not that we're the best, but that God will show his sufficiency in us. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when you see that word, therefore, you have to stop and ask yourself, what is it there for? All of these arguments that Paul is making, that he is defending his apostleship, he's defending the work of God, that God is doing amongst these people. The word of God transforming people, renewing them, giving them new lives, new hope. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. No matter how hard it gets. And I tell you, there are days where I just, I just want to crawl up and go, God, I can't do this. 
I'm not qualified for this. People just constantly asking you, help me with this, help my child, I need medicine, we need this, we need water, we need Bibles, I need, and I just want to go, stop! I'm not God! But I'm the closest thing that they're going to get to until they know God. And sometimes we go, I just can't do this anymore. A drive out to, to do a Bible study, it takes you six hours to get out there, do a Bible study, and come back. And I go, Lord, why have you called me to do this? Why have you called me at this age? Because I'm not sufficient, and he is. He says, if I can use you, then I can use anybody. Verses 3 and 4. I'm sorry, let's go uh, chapter 4, verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Our ministry is always open to everyone. And that is one of the keys I try to teach our men. It's not just people who want to become Baptists. I want anyone who wants to hear the teaching of the Word of God to be welcome. I don't care whether you go to a, 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 a mosque. I don't care whether you go to uh, Jehovah's Witness, I, everyone is welcome in our teaching. And I heard one of our guys say, well, just go ahead and take that teaching because you're not one of us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you weren't one of us either until you come to find out the truth. Everyone is welcome. And we make no bones about it. This is not our teaching. This is all just what the Word of God says. And if they've got a problem... I said, you don't have a problem with me. You've got a problem with the Word of God. And you let that sit with you, and you find out the truth. Let every man be a liar, and God be true. Verses 3 and 4, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Our gospel is open, but people are still blinded. We go in openly teaching the Bible. The first thing we do is say, we just want to come and teach the Bible. We go to the chief. The chief owns the land of his chiefdom. By uh, heritage, he is the owner of the land, the people, and the custodian of all of their traditions to continue to hold them up. So we ask permission for him. We've been granted permission from the three or four chiefs in the chiefdoms where we work. And they say, you are welcome to come in and everything. Now here this man, he has to uphold the traditions of his tribe, of his family, his heritage. But yet, he wants his people to hear the truth. So he's stuck in this in-between. He, he has to kind of pander to all the people and the tribes, and yet he wants his people to hear the truth. So we're welcomed in. Then we have to go to the head man of the village and get permission for him. They welcome us in. We begin teaching the scripture. We start showing them. We read it, and we just simply explain what it says. And they're like, wow, we've never seen this before. And all of a sudden, you've got 40, 50 people coming, and we're going, this is great. God, you're doing a work here three, four weeks. You come back, 
And like, where, where is everybody? There's like five, six people sitting here. And you wonder, you're like, well, oh, there is something going on. Okay, well, next week you come out. Now there's like, again, five, six people. And you go, what, what's going on here? And answer is always the same. Somebody comes and they see people gathered and they somehow become jealous and they say, these guys, they say they're teaching the Bible, but they're actually Satanists. A white man, watch out because the white man's going to steal your children. They tease the little children. The white man, he's coming to take you. So you come into a village, ah! They're screaming, they're running from you. Because they tease the children like that. And adults, all of a sudden they stop coming. And like, we used to come to Bible study. Oh, and there's always excuses. Somebody told them that we're actually Satanists and we're going to deceive them long enough. And they become afraid. They're confused. Confusion. And they stop coming. So now it takes a long time to start to win them back, gain their confidence, and win them with love and show them. Helping with medicines, constantly being asked for medicines. They've got clinics that they can travel to. You may have to walk an hour, two hours to a clinic to be seen if you're sick or your child is sick. And the greatest that they can do is give them some ibuprofen. That's about all the medicine they have. You could, you could have fallen out of a tree and, and broken your leg and it's sticking out and they would go, well, here's some ibuprofen. It's going to help the pain. And, and that's about all they get from them. So they come to us, and they're begging for help. And it's just like, oh, I, I, want, I just want to teach the Word of God. But to help teach the Word of God, sometimes you've got to do whatever is needed to help show them the love of Christ so they would be open and realize there's a trust, there's a relationship being built, and God gives us those opportunities to minister into their lives. Verse 4. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Just as, as the very word minister, it means servant. When James and John, you know, they were arguing who's going to be the greatest among them, Jesus said, let, that, let the one who's going to be the servant, he'll be the greatest. But you've got to be a servant first. Just like we are a servant to the people there. We help minister in any way we can. We are also your servants. We are there ministering on your behalf. These churches, Big Tree, Chicoka, and Peta, and Pawa, all of these, they're not our churches. They're your churches too. This is what you have invested in. This is what you have sacrificed for. You are the great-grandparents to these churches. You've got people that are saved because of your sacrifice. And one day you'll meet them in eternity. And they're going to say, thank you. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for praying. We don't know what could have happened when Janice hit that little boy and the crowd started going crazy and grabbing the truck and trying to break in there. Anything could have happened. I believe God put his angels around that truck and protected her in there. It was one of the most terrifying moments that I've had. And I wasn't with her. And I couldn't get to her because this entourage was coming and people banging in my car and wouldn't let me through. And I just said, God, I just want to be there. I want to help. 
but there are forces that work against you. Your prayers, your sacrifices, you have no idea what it does to empower missionaries on the field. Our name, our thought, Zambia, pops in your head. There's a reason for that. You have no idea what's going on at that moment that maybe we need your prayers. That God is waiting for your fervent prayer. And he's going to say, all right, go down and help them. Go, protect them. Because of your prayers. We are your ministers. We are your servants. And we are grateful. Verses 6 and 7. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure. This isn't the treasure. This is the earthen vessel. This was made of the earth and will go back to the earth. This is a clay pot. It's a crack pot is what it is. But I've got an earthen vessel in here. I've got the truth And this inner man, this new man, wants more people to know it. Wants people to be transformed like he's been transformed. Chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. You have this treasure inside of you. If you know Jesus Christ, don't ever discount the power of, that you can have available to you to do his work. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are seeking to and fro throughout the whole earth to see whose heart is perfect towards him so he can show his power in your life. God doesn't just willy-nilly throw out his power. He's waiting to see who is willing and ready to truly be used to give up our life at that very moment give up our desires, our thoughts to be used by him, to put ourselves in a situation where we feel if, if this doesn't work out, I will fail for Christ. Then fail, but fail trying because we'll never succeed if we don't step out of our comfort zone. God hath begun a good work in you and he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If we're transformed, we have to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to try to walk in the Spirit every day, submit ourselves. We have all the Holy Spirit, but we don't submit ourselves to His power like we should because we like what we like. I want what I want. I like my comforts. We need to learn to give them up more and more sacrifice, a living sacrifice for Christ so God can do a great work in us and through us. Jesus said, he who keeps his life will lose it, and he who gives up his life for my sake shall find it. People many times say, don't you feel just like you've given up everything? You've given up your home, you've left your children and grandchildren. and Yeah, that, that's a sacrifice. Can you sacrifice too much for Jesus Christ? No, never. If I gave my whole life, it's still not enough. But you know the great thing? When you do sacrifice these things, 
God gives you an absolute 100% filled abundant life here and 100% filled abundant life there. He replaces your very blood family with spiritual family now that you get fed in a fellowship in a way that you never would experience if you didn't be willing to give that up. God doesn't take things away. He gives things to us that we're not worthy of. But that is the abundant life. 2 Timothy 2.2 These are our, our main verses for our Bible studies, our teaching, all of our church plans, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I always tell them, you are not learning to learn. You are learning to teach. Because when you learn it and begin to live it, now you can teach it to others. And that's exactly what God wants all of us to do. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Verse 17, chapter 6, 17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I believe many times we don't see the power of God in our life because we like our life more than we like to see the power of God in our life. We're not willing to sacrifice. We like our comforts. I do. I love a comfortable bed. I love clean water. I love smooth roads. But when we're willing to give some of those things up so God can be glorified, he does a greater work in us. Verse 18, he says, Then I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. The Almighty God. There is no one higher than Jehovah God and he wants us to be his sons and daughters and draw close so he can show his power in our lives for his honor, for his glory. Chapter 7, verse 1. We'll close here. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is our daily walk, our daily challenge. Every one of us is the same. We have the same struggles. We, we suffer temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He says... Every day, be willing to give up a little bit more of those things so we can see the power of God in our life. We're all able ministers. We are all called to do the work of God. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. Receive not the grace of God in vain. We are workers together with him. I need you to continue to be faithful here, to reach people here so they can hear the gospel so they can be transformed, so they can reach others, so other missionaries can come and be encouraged by seeing you and being refreshed by you. We need to work together. I need you, and we represent you on the field of Zambia, Africa. I invite, officially, 
Steve, if you have men that want to come out and teach, women that want to come out and teach, Bill, if you have a team that wants to come out, we would love, love to have a team come out and teach the Bible. Teach some of these guys how to be leaders. Teach them how to read and study the scripture. Spend a week, two weeks, whatever. That's what I'm asking. We need that help. We are overwhelmed. The work of God is so much greater than us. We are workers together with him. But God will give the increase. Church, thank you so much. Your support, your faithfulness, your prayers. There are no words that are adequate to say thank you. I am encouraged to see some youth here. You young men and women, stay strong for the Lord. God has such great things he wants to do with you. Don't give up. Never give up. Be the shining light amongst everyone else. Let the power of God work in your lives. And day by day, he will strengthen you and do great and mighty things. Jesus chose his disciples, not because of their ability, but because of their inability. A bunch of misfits. And he says, you will do greater things than these. God delights in using small people like you and I for his honor and glory. Youth, don't ever give up. Elders, seniors, don't ever give up. Your prayers, your love, your experience is such a vital key to the success of this ministry, of this church, and the missionaries you support. Thank you so much. Pastor. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment. It's wonderful to hear about what God is doing around the world. It's an encouragement to see people saved and baptized. The question comes to you and I, do you feel insufficient? Do you feel as though more is being asked of you than you can give? If so, you're in good company, because none of us have the wherewithal to give everything that's asked of us. You feel like you're facing spiritual opposition. It's real. If you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're going to serve him, if you're going to be godly, we'll suffer the repercussions. Perhaps God is dealing with you about surrender. I don't know exactly what it is the Lord might be dealing with you about, but I invite you during this time of invitation to be open to the working of the Spirit of God. If you don't know Christ as Savior, if you have doubts, we, can, we would love to show you from the Word of God how you can have your sins forgiven. But I imagine that most of us here know the Lord. I want to, first of all, encourage you to pray for the Jalowicks, for their ministry in Zambia, that God would give them the wherewithal, would be their strength to do all that's asked of them. Ask you to pray that God would send them laborers to work with them. That God would raise up men and women from among those that they've led to the Lord to be laborers there. Let's just take a moment for that at this time. Pray for laborers. 
Let's take a moment and pray that God would break through the spiritual darkness, the opposition that they face. Let's pray that they don't quit and that we don't quit either. Let's pray that they don't quit and we don't quit either. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing our fellow laborers, workers together, back to be with us tonight. Thank you for the safety you've given them on this time of furlough. Thank you for all that's been accomplished, the fruit that abounds to the account of our church and other churches that have had the privilege to be a part of what they're doing. I pray that you would encourage them, that you'd raise up fellow laborers, that you would fight against those that fight against them. I pray that you would give them encouragement to keep keep going, that they might not be weary in well-doing, but that they might see harvest for your glory. Help us to continue to go and to speak and to tell and to give and to pray. All of this we commit to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, asking these things. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we, as we sing.